You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Cool. You know, during the summer, we have uh, this thing called the Summer Teaching Series. A lot of people are moving around, they're traveling, they're on vacation. And we take that time on Wednesday night to really make sure that we have different people come in. That's why we have Professor DeLong coming in and teaching us. They're, you know, they're not from our church, um, but, you know, whether it's local or they're not from our church at all. We have about 6,000 members throughout the L.A. Uh, church. That's why you hear South Bay and Turning Point and all that. But we want to get uh, a chance to really learn from other people as well. Okay. And we opened it up. Last year was really cool. We did a summer series where we had different people talk about health and we talked about eating better, you know, Christian diets and stuff like that, the Daniel plan and, and all those things. We, we, you know, those things are awesome. I think it expands our mind and it expands our hearts as well. However, having said that, what it does is that it puts a responsibility on us to mature. It's also a maturation process also where we're not closing ourselves out from people, but at the same time, we're exposing ourselves to different ideas. But the responsibility falls on us to really make a, um, a sense of this decision on what people are saying. Is it really biblical? Is it something that uh, we, uh, you know, we need to think about? And as I'm talking, I'm stalling a little bit because I just realized I forgot something. I forgot my clicker. So if I can get uh, my clicker there, I'll be right back. Sorry, guys. Well, the cool thing is that I get to speak, and this is an opportunity to walk around, too, so it's cool. So the title of our lesson today is called, um, Lena, this is not a clicker. Um, sorry, sorry. I'm just kidding. So the title of our lesson today is Discerning Good from Evil. And I love this title because it's from the scriptures and it teaches us how to discern and it puts the onus on us to figure out, okay, what is good and what is evil? We're going to read from the Old Testament today, 1 Kings chapter 13. I hope you brought your Bible with you. And if you haven't, uh, you know, you can share with your neighbor there as well. This is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible because it shows you that it's it takes a lot of work to be a disciple. It takes a lot of faith to be a disciple. I don't really appreciate Rob's uh I love going after Rob because he inspires me. And he comes up here, he sounds a little bit like MLK, you know, preaching the word and he's spitting and stuff like that and it helps me to readjust too because I got this squeaky, you know, he's MLK, I'm more like Who's that actor, Asian actor? Jackie Chan, right? Rush Hour or something like that. So I got to make an adjustment. You know, I got to go lower in my voice. And it helps me to get adjusted. But I appreciate his conviction because it's what a, that was one of the best communions I've heard. Uh, in terms of just really exegeting the Word of God and, and really teaching us the difference between religion, which is trying to get the best out of it. Hey, I'm healed. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cured. Let me go off and live my own life. It's for me. It's all for me. Versus a guy who goes, you know what? I know the source of where that comes from. And I thought of another answer when Rob asked that question. It says, well, he, he, yes, he knew it from, it was from God, you know, that he came back to God and go, you know what? This is from God. And he realizes that the priest can only uh, kind of 
you know, tell him that he's healed or, or, or that, but it was from God himself. And I think that's what we got to always come back to is our relationship with God. It always comes back to that. I love this passage because it talks about how precarious that is. How precarious that relationship is. And how much it takes for us to really guard it. Okay? And I'm going to start reading and we'll come back to it. We're going to read a big chunk of it. And if you don't have a Bible, it's fine too. It's a great story. Let me set it up. The kingdom, in terms of the monarchy, only lasted about three generations. It was Saul, David, Solomon, and that's it. After that, it was split into two. The dream that they've been waiting for all these years, to have a country, to have a kingdom, just like everybody else, right? But it only lasted three generations, and it split. And Jeroboam was the first king of the northern uh, kingdom, and uh, he became a king there. And then Rehoboam, the son of Solomon became the king of the southern kingdom, which is called Judah. And at that time, Jer- uh, Jeroboam set up his, ho- his kingdom, and he was trying to be religious about it. He said, you know what, I really want to do what I want to do, but, you know, we come from a religious background, so let me set up a shrine here to, to dedicate it, to, to play church, if you will. God sends this man designated as the man of God to go up and challenge Jeroboam. And this man had a specific mission that God gave him. And let's see what happened to him. It's a great story. Let's read. In 1 Kings chapter 13, it says, By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel. As Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering by the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar, 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 altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here. And human bones will be burned on you. That same day a man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and says, Seize him! But the hand he stretched out towards the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. Then the king said to the man, says, Intercede with the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand will be maybe restored. So the man of God interceded with the, with the Lord and the king's hand was, was restored and became as it was before. The king said to the man of God, Come home with me for a meal, and I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, Even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. For I am, I was commanded by the word of the Lord, You must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told the father that he had said to the king, their father asked him, what way did he go? And his son showed him which road the man God from Judah had taken. So he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. And when they had saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it and he rode after the man of God. He found him sitting under the oak tree and asked, 
Are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, Come home with me and eat. The man of God said, I cannot turn back to you and go back with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I have been told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet. As you are, and an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of God of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in place where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. When a man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him. As he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was left lying on the road, both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Some people who passed by saw the body lying there and with the lion standing beside the body and they went and they reported in the city where the old prophet lived. When the prophet who had brought him back from his journey heard it, he says, this is the man of God who defied the word of the Lord. The Lord has given him over to the lion, which has mauled him and killed him, as the word of the Lord had warned him. The prophet said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. And they did so. Then he went out and he found the body lying on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. The lion had neither eaten the body nor mauled the donkey, so that the prophet picked up the body of the man of God, laid it on his donkey, and brought it back to his own city and mourned for him and buried him. Then he laid the body on his own tomb, and then they mourned over him and said, Alas, my brother. After burying him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay by my bones beside his bones, For the message he declared by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines and the high places in the towns of Samaria will certainly come true. Even after this, Jeroboam said, did not change his evil ways, but once more appointed priests for the high places from all sorts of people. Everyone who wanted to become a priest, he consecrated for the high places. This was the sin of the house of Jeroboam that led to its downfall and to the destruction from the face of the earth. This is a an incredible story about how we need to be incredibly careful about our relationship with God. And that the Word of God is really our standard for the way that we need to live. Especially in our generation today. I've never seen anything like it in the news media. In the, in, I, I used to be a news junkie. I would watch the news on, now I'm cured. I'm not kidding. It's, it's the one thing that has cured me in the last two years. I don't even know what's real anymore when I, when I discern, when I look up and I hear fake news, real news, and, and, and all those things. And to be frank with you, I don't even care anymore in a sense. Okay? 
Now, I can make a choice whether I can just kind of leave the world altogether or I can engage in it. But if I engage in it, I need to do it in a way that is wise. That in a way that I need to rely on what is not fake news, but is God's news and is good news and of the gospel. So just as Rob asked us the question, I want to ask you, how strong are we in the word of God? When we make decisions about things, when we make judgments as we look at the church, when we look at the world, is it in the backdrop of God's word? Or is it our own opinion or is it the soup du jour for today and the feelings of our day? How strong are we in God's word? We see from the Bible here that this guy, he got it on straight. And yet, he was swayed by this old prophet that told him what he wanted to hear. I'm sure he was hungry, right? I'm sure that he was he was hungry. And I'm not talking about just physical hungry for us, hunger for us, but maybe there's an emotional hunger that we have, that we need to be fulfilled. And instead of really getting it from God, we get it from somewhere else. I love this passage because it reminds me in such a profound way to always go back to God's word. Always check through the prism of the lens of God's word. The decisions that I'm making. How do I make judgments on things? Whether in the church, my own life, or even what I see in the world. How strong am I in the word of God? And I got three points, very short point for us today about how do we guard ourselves Today, whether dealing with the world at large or even in our spiritual lives, discerning good from evil. And this is what the book of Hebrews says. He says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Okay, it's about maturation, maturity. And how do we get there? How do we not get swayed back and forth? How do we not get pushed back and forth? You know, we have a six-year-old, and um, she's going to be in the second grade, and it's pretty amazing. Already, she's already experiencing bullying at school. I mean, what can a first grader do, right? You think, you think, but words. You know, she was called a dummy. She was called different words. And so how do we teach her to interact? Do we pull her out and just kind of isolate her from the public school system, or do we teach her how to interface with the world? Not to get bitter about it, but at the same time, being shrewd and, and really learning how to navigate in her own hearts. And the Bible talks about that as well. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish what? Good from evil. Okay? And the operative word there is what? Constant use. You gotta use it. It's a manual for life. God's word is a manual for life. I thought that was, I mean, I've been reading the Bible for like 30 years, and yet, you know, the way that Rob phrased that, it unlocks some things for me. Isn't that cool? I've been reading that passage forever. But it's by constant use. It's by really thinking about God's Word and being enmeshed in God's Word and knowing God's Word. Memorizing God's Word. I remember as a young Christian, that's what we did. We just memorized Scripture. 
You know, in terms of lust and, you know, what Rob talked about, the pornography, even back then, 30 years ago, I think it's a lot tougher now, but 30 years ago, you got to go steal a magazine or go to a big brother and, you know, hide your, your pornography and stuff like that. Now it's just in your home. I remember the scripture as a young disciple, you know, it's like, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. I have made a covenant with my eyes. And you can just kind of picture that, you know, eyes, I'm going to make a deal with you. You know, and ticking your eyes out and sitting them down, you know, and just kind of making a deal. Don't look, you know, learning tricks of, you know, from that scripture, learning different strategy. You know, if I see a, a woman walk down the street or something like that and, you know, I, I, I visually, you know, turn her into a giraffe or a hippopotamus or, or whatever, just transform her in my mind and stuff like that. You know, doing a little mental gymnastics in my mind, you know. Constant use. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take constant use to read God's Word. And I appreciate Jason uh, Savoy. You know, it's just, you know, we had a talk last night and you know, in our D time. And he says, yeah, I just don't know what to read. I don't know what to read. Can you give me some suggestion on, on what to read in the Bible? Oh, or is there a good book that I can, 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 can really get into as well? He was so desperate that he, uh, so funny. He's so desperate that uh, one of his friends, uh, his neighbors came and wrote a book. One of his neighbors <laughs> wrote a book and the key to happiness, all for $10. So anyway, so he bought that book and stuff like that. You know, we're searching, right? Searching the right place. Look in God's word. Train themselves to distinguish good from evil. What does that mean? There's evil in the world. There are traps out there. That are, that they're gonna get us. And inadvertently or, you know, intentionally, they're gonna get us. We gotta really be shrewd. We gotta get back into the Word. Amen? Amen. Point number one, take care of what we hear. We always talk about, be careful what you say, right? As a minister, you know, you gotta be careful. And I'm kinda loose lips, so I gotta be careful. My wife is like, sometimes in sermons, she sits there and I can tell. She's like, Ken, don't say stupid things. <laughs> I can tell, I can tell. She's like, you know, just like, got that little defensive posture, right? You know, Chris, uh, is, is he here? Chris? One time I was coming up to preach, Chris was doing songs, he came up and he says, Ken, don't say anything stupid, alright? <laughs> oh, thanks for the encouragement, Chris, you know, I get it, you know, it's like, we gotta be careful what we say, I get it, you know? But Jesus says what? You gotta be careful what you hear. What are you allowed to go into these two apparatus here is really, really important. You gotta be careful what you hear. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a day or a jar and puts it under its bed. Instead, they put it on a stand. Okay, I'm gonna skip this passage here, but the gist of this is what? Everybody's got a bright idea. They're gonna propagate that idea and they're gonna try to sell you in it. They're gonna try to tell you what, what ideas they have. Right? Just like that guy, you know, it's like, I wrote a book on happiness. I'm going to sell it to you for 10 bucks. Everybody think that they have something innovative, something new, something incredible. But Jesus said this, he says, therefore, consider, vet these things. Don't just take it at face value and la-di-da, go on. Do due diligence. You know, what? before I became a Christian, I was really searching. I was a 21-year-old campus student. And I think the thing that really I appreciate about the Bible is that I always felt I had no reference point in my life. Every day it was just trying to pick the newest ideas. 
the newest whatever, philosophy or whatever. When I found the Word of God, when I got into the Word, I was so grateful. I was so grateful for God's Word. That that was the gift that God was giving me. God was giving me a gift of Him. He took the time to give me His words, like a father, like a good father. You know, we sing that song sometimes, right? Good, good father. That's what good fathers do. They sit down with their sons and daughters and teach them to care, be careful what you hear. Gabby, be careful what you hear. You see, when Gabby heard those things from this kid, one of the things that Lena and I thought about was, just, how do we get that out of her mind? Because it's planted in there. It's planted in there. Be careful what you hear. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. There's two sides to this. There's a negative side, right? Negative meaning that there's a precautionary side. Be careful what you hear. But there's also another side that's be careful what you hear. It might be really, really good stuff. And because of that, the Bible says that whatever you have, more will be given to you. You guys remember that ad? I'm going to date you. Okay, not dating you. I'm going to see how old you are. Remember that ad, E.F. Hudson? What was the famous line from E.F. Hudson? Huh? Yeah. Oh, but you saw it, right? So the, the tagline is, it says, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listen. So the commercial is that, well, my broker is E.F. Hutton, and everybody stops and listen to it, right? So everybody wants good advice. The best advice comes from God himself, the creator of life. Amen? Amen. It might not be the most convenient, but it is the best advice. Be careful what we allow to go through uh, our ears. Amen? Point number two, take care of who you're with. Take care of who we are with. You know, the young man who was a prophet, he did great. Can you imagine the courage to go up to the king during his big inauguration and challenge him? And the the prophecy that he gave was so specific and it came true. Can you imagine doing that? Going up to the king, going up to inauguration of a president says, you are going down, you know? And that's exactly what he did. And then when the king offered him a bribe, he said, no way. Nope, can't do that. Can't, can't. It's really ironic to me that who he got tripped up by was not by the pagan or the king. But he got tripped up by a religious figure. That's the thing that's pretty amazing to me. Right? It was the old prophet that tripped him up. It was the old prophet that killed him by his words. You know, the pulpit is a very dangerous place. I was talking to Scott's, you know, happy birthday, by the way, Scott. You know, Scott's friend, neighbor, came out. Hogan, his name was Hogan. Is Hogan here? He said he was going to come. He said he was going to come, but his wife says we don't do church. But anyways, there's hope there. You know, so uh, let's isolate her. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, you know, we were just talking about how dangerous religious religion can be. It could be the most beautiful thing or it could be really a terrible thing because you're using the pulpit to speak on behalf of God. You're talking about people that are pretty vulnerable, that comes, they have a need, 
right? It really is a ground for some dangerous stuff. And just as we have to be careful what we say, we also have to be careful what we hear, but we also have to be careful who we're with as well. Okay? Paul says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought. A lot of Christianity is sensible. A lot of Christianity is, is, is the, it's not a spectator sport. It is a thinking game. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We don't want to be critical, right? We don't want to teach our kids to be critical, but we want to teach them to be critical thinkers. You know, speaking of the road, it's really funny. Elizabeth called me. She came back and, you know, she's she's got a ringworm. She's got parasites. <laughs> she's a mess. You know, but uh, last trip she went to Bolivia, uh, from Bolivia to Peru. She wants us to make a trip to Peru. And uh, last thing I got, I knew I was going to lose contact with her. I gave her some advice. Literally, so eerily similar to First uh, Kings 13. I said, Elizabeth, don't worry about the money. Don't choose the cheap routes. Because Elizabeth tried to save money and all that stuff. Don't sacrifice safety over, you know, pay the extra thing, you know, for the flight. Or don't take a bus or don't take a, you know, a taxi or whatever. Well, she did not listen to my advice. And uh, she made it. So she told me afterwards, praise God. But uh, she went to Machu Picchu. From Bolivia to Machu Picchu. And it's like an 11 hour bus ride, 10, 8 hour bus ride. But she got some other advice, which is cheaper from some backpackers. Make a long story short, her and another young girl hike in the middle of the night, two and a half hours in the darkness on this road up the mountain by themselves, alone on the road. You know, and then she texts me back afterwards and says, Dad, I'm all right, but I'm sorry. I should have listened to your advice. I said, Dad, you... You know, <laughs> so, so mad. Like, you know, like, you know, so who we listen to and who we're with is really crucial. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you live by the Spirit, should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves. Or you too may also be tempted. I don't get tempted by people sin when I talk to them, I get tempted by getting discouraged. I get tempted by going, oh man, this again? I lose my faith. You know, I get tempted by being bitter or angry or discouragement is a big one. So the book of Galatians and the book of Corinthians, Paul twice says, be careful. Be careful how we talk to people. Amen? Be careful how we listen. And really vet and learn how to mature ourselves and allow ourselves to, to mature in that way. I got five more minutes. Take care of what you see. Take care of what you see. In the ancient tradition, they think that light is in our eyes. That's how we see things. You know, this is before modern technology and all that stuff. But they see that our eyes have light. So when we look at things, those things have light too because of the sun and stuff and they bounce. Our eyes light and the radiation from the object that we see bounce and it converges and that's how we see things. And I think that's how we get the um, 
the phrase, right? Does, he doesn't have any light in his eyes or, or something like that. Okay? Take care of what we see. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If inside of us is darkness, of course, how great that is because we're going to be critical. We're going to be judgmental. We're going to make decisions that's based on that hurt or that based on that darkness or whatever that is inside of us. So Jesus says what? He says, be careful. No one can serve two masters. Either will you hate one or love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot keep your eye on these two things simultaneously. It's either one or the other. You know, King Jeroboam was so blinded. He just wanted a semblance of religiosity. So the Bible at the end there says, First Corinthians, First uh, Kings thirteen says that he was just wanting to hire anybody that you know has a semblance of wanting to be a priest. Yeah, you're in to make it look like it's from God, but it's not, right? You can't serve two masters. You can't you can't have love somebody and you know have this relationship with somebody and have this secret relationship with somebody else. I'm an old guy. This is an old song. Have you guys heard of England Dan and John Ford Coley? It's, it's, it's not a good song, but it's... It says, I had a strange sensation. We'll pick up in the middle. And darling, that's when I knew. That it's sad to belong to someone else when the right come, one comes along. Yes, it's sad to belong to someone else. You know, you know that one, right? When the right one comes along. It's, 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 it's a divided heart. It's sad. That's what it is. It's sad. It's a, it's a, it's a sad way to live. Right? So the Bible says, don't be like that. Have conviction. Have, have a standard that you can go back to all, all, always. Let me close on up. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance. That's given. That's, that's what it means. Repentance. That's what our community is all about. We're constantly repenting from acts that leads to death. And of faith in God, instructions about cleansing rites, the laying on the hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Even though we speak in like this, we, we speak uh, like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that we have to do with salvation, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. I love this passage here because he says, we want to bring that up because we want us to be aware and take heed. But at the same time, we know that you're not like that. We know that you're already doing those things. Amen? Let's really believe in one another. Let's trust in God. Let's trust in his word. Amen. Thank you. 
You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.